The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. Don't come to the house of God without an expectation. Don't come to any service without an expectation. Why? Because the anointing functions best in an environment of expectation. This crippled man put a, put, a, put, a, put a demand on the anointing of Peter and John. He put a demand on their anointing. And did anointing work for him or not? It did work. He rose up. He walked. Because the anointing they carried healed him. Took away the crippledness from him. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we have gathered before you today in accordance to your word. Let your name be exalted. Do a new thing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Let's praise him for the victory. Let's praise him for the victories. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says the expectations of the righteous shall not be cut short. Tonight, I want you to be expectant because the power of God is present to heal, to save, and to deliver. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. And let's please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this is a month of the blessing. Amen. The Bible says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh. So, what makes us is the blessing. It's not our jobs that makes us. It is not our connections that makes us. But it is the blessing that makes us. And this month, in the name of Jesus, the blessing will make you. I say this month in the name of Jesus, the blessing will make you. And when God makes you, nothing can unmake you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, are you ready for our teaching tonight? Okay. If you are, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. I read, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. 
I read it again. It says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his bearing shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Amen. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen. Well, I'm continuing the teaching series that I started last week titled Anointed to Overtake. Anointed to Overtake. One of the key things we have to understand about Christianity is that Christianity is not a religion but a relationship. And because it's a relationship, this relationship is full of power. One of the key things that differentiates Christians from other religion is that we walk in supernatural power. And what generates this power is the anointing. The anointing is the difference maker. Have you ever had an occasion maybe in your house where a particular door is, is making so much noise. And when you take the oil and you put it on the inches or the hinges of that door, the noise stops. Now, what made that noise to stop is the oil. As an extension, what causes us to walk in noiseless breakthrough is the anointing as Christians. Whilst there is noise in the world, when we operate in the anointing, we operate in noiseless breakthrough. Are you getting it? So other parts of the house might, might have doors that are still making noise, but the, the door that you have applied the oil to the noise stops. What made the difference is the oil. Now, last week I said that the oil is only a token of the anointing. It is used as a symbol to represent the anointing. The oil is not necessarily the anointing. So, when we understand this analogy, then what happens is that when we operate in the anointing, we are differentiated from the world. Amen. We are differentiated from the world. That's why the Bible says that, and it shall come to pass in that day, and that day is today. Yeah. Today is your day. Amen. I said today is your day. Amen. It doesn't matter what you have gone through. It doesn't matter what you have been through over the years. It doesn't matter what you have been through over the months. Today is your day of deliverance. Because today the anointing of God is here to do exploits. So it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from thy shoulder. And last week we did emphasize that bedding slows you down and the shoulder is a place of responsibility 
a burden slows you down, and the shoulder is a what? It's a place of what? Responsibility. And we also did say that it says, and his yoke from off your neck. The yoke, we did say, impedes your speed in life. The yoke impedes your speed. And when the devil places a yoke on you, that means he doesn't want you to go far or fast enough. Are you following me? So it's very important for us to understand the anointing and what it does. Now, what does the anointing do? The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. That's why the anointing you carry determines the challenges you overcome. David had so many challenges. One of them was Goliath. But because of the anointing he was carrying, he overcame the challenges of Goliath. Last week, before I go into the detail for tonight, I did say that there are three environments that the anointing does not function in. There are three environments that the anointing does not function in. Number one, the anointing does not operate in an environment of sin. The anointing does not operate in an environment of sin. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. The anointing does not operate in an environment of sin. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. It says, thou has loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So the anointing does not operate in an environment of sin. Number two, the anointing does not work or operate in an environment of contention. Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. The anointing does not operate in an environment of contention. Very important. It says how, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. No contention. In unity. Why? Because it is like it is like, verse 2 of Psalm 133, it said, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down. It's from the head and it runs how? Down upon the head. It runs down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of the garment. So the anointing starts from the head to the neck to the body and to everyone in the church. But we did say that there are times that something blocks the flow of the anointing between the head and the body. That's when the devil puts a yoke on the neck. So if there's a yoke on the neck, what's on the head does not flow to the body. So that means there is contention between the head and the body. And wherever there is contention between the head and the body, the oil doesn't flow down. 
verse 3 of one three, Psalm, Psalm 133. It says, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So where the anointing is, there is an operation of the commanded blessing. Amen. The commanded blessing operates in an environment where the anointing is working. Are you following me? Number three environments that the anointing does not work in is the anointing does not work or operate in an environment of unforgiveness. An environment of unforgiveness. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 and 25. The anointing does not operate in an environment of unforgiveness. That's why if you're working in unforgiveness, the anointing will not work in your life. Jesus saying, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Verse 25, it says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father which also is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. What in effect Jesus is saying is that if you don't forgive people of their sins, God will not forgive you of your sins. So if you want the anointing to work in your life, you have to walk in forgiveness. You remember, the disciples of Jesus came to Jesus and asked him, how many times should we forgive if your brother sins against you? And Jesus said, is this seven times they asked? Is this seven times? Jesus said, no, not only seven times, but 70 times seven. That's about 449 times of just one sin. And it's not possible that one person can commit one sin 449 times in your lifetime, ever. It can never happen. So, if we are going to operate in the anointing, we have to walk in forgiveness. It doesn't matter what people do to you, forgive them. Because God forgave us. Are you following what I'm saying? We cannot walk in unforgiveness and be a blessing to the world. We have to walk in forgiveness. So, now, if we have seen the three environments that the anointing does not work in, that therefore also implies that there are three environments that the anointing works in. Is that right? Yeah. Now, I'm only listing three. Not that these are the only three. There are many, but I'm only listing three. Amen? So, let's quickly also look at three environmental factors that helps the anointing to function better. Number one, it's an environment of worship. An environment of worship. Second Kings chapter three, from verse 14 to 18. Number one, it's an environment of worship. I read, the Bible says that, and Elisha said, as the Lord host liveth before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I, I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, 
I will not look towards thee nor see thee. Look at verse 15. It says, but now bring me a mystery. But now bring me a mystery. And it shall come to pass when the mystery played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now notice Elisha was about to prophesy, but he said, I can only prophesy or the anointing can only function in an environment of worship. That's why we must not take our praise and worship for granted. Praise and worship is not an act of singing. It's an act of worshiping. It's an act of worship. So Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. Let that minstrel minister. And when he ministers, then I will be able to prophesy. How many of you remember when um, the evil spirit came upon Saul? And David has to be called upon to play. And whenever David played, the evil spirit left him. So that should tell you the environment within which the anointing operates in, the anointing functions in. It does not necessarily mean that without worship, the anointing will not work. What it simply means is that worship enhances the works of the flow of the anointing. That's why what we do before the word is not just an act of singing or entertainment. It's, an, it's creating an environment, an atmosphere, so that the anointing can function effectively in. So Elisha said, bring me a mystery. And when the mystery started playing, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord there represents the anointing. Verse 16, he said, Thou says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thou says the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the hand, in the sight of the Lord. And he shall deliver the Moabites also into your hand. Number two environment that the anointing functions in is the environment of kindness. An environment of kindness. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good? Who went about doing what? Good. That is kindness. Who went about being kind? Who went about doing good? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. Kindness. The anointing functions in an environment of kindness. You see, many people are asking God, anoint me, anoint me. But God is asking, if I anoint you, what are you going to use that anointing for? To kill people? 
to destroy people. You must have a kind heart. When you have a kind heart, the anointing will come to you easily and freely. Hallelujah. So the, the anointing functions better in an environment of kindness. That's why God anointed Jesus. Because God knew that when he anoints Jesus, Jesus is going to go about doing good, being kind to people. I have seen some anointed people who are very nasty. <laughs> very nasty because of little anointing. Very, very nasty. So it's important for us to make sure that we are kind even in our highest level of anointing. Number three, environment is, a, is what I call an environment of expectation. An environment of expectation. Acts chapter three from verse two to six. It says, and a certain man laying from his mother's womb was carried, womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. What a, a sad situation. He's lame and he's always placed at the temple, the gates beautiful. And what's the purpose? To ask arms of them that entered into the temple. There are a lot of societies that God has placed the church in that the societies are lame, they are crippled. It will take the church of Jesus Christ that is anointed to resurrect those environment or those communities or those societies. There are nations that are lamed. You see, one of the things you have to understand is that when you come to this ministry, it's not just about your little or your two by four breakthroughs, praise God. This ministry is about nations. Are you following what I'm saying? When we are talking about this ministry, we are not thinking about me, myself, and I. We are thinking about nations. One of the key things many years ago God said to me is that from this place, Millions will be reached across the world. And sometimes I drive around here and I, I begin to wonder, from this place, then we did, I didn't know we were going to go on TV. But from this place, we are reaching millions across the world. From this place. So it's, if it were to be about us, we'd just be here excited, no broadcasting of our messages globally to the world which costs a lot of money for your information but no, no pressure is being put on anyone in this church because we are a nation minded church Amen. we are thinking about the multitudes we are thinking so you see most of the time people come to the church and all they think about is my little breakthrough my little blessing God, give me a house. God, give me a car. All of these things God will give you. But listen, it's not just about you. Amen? Amen. 
It's not just about you. It's more than you. In most cases, when God blesses you, in most cases, the blessing is not for you. It's for someone else. But because of greediness, most cases when God blesses us, we don't want to ask God, who is this one for? <laughs> Hallelujah. But from today, it shall not be so in your life. You start thinking about nations. So the Bible says that this lame man was at the beautiful gate asking for arms, begging. That's, that's the society, that's the nation right there. The nation cannot do away without the church that is anointed. Listen, when the church is anointed, it doesn't matter where it is located. No one can ignore it. Are you following what I'm saying? When we are anointed as a church, the society will come to us because they can see the evidence. The Bible says that the man was dropped at the entrance of the temple and the entrance had a beautiful gate. If the gate of the entrance of the church is beautiful, that should tell you what is inside the church. Are you getting the analogy? If the gate is beautiful, then that should tell you the inside is greater. And we are coming to that season where the world is going to come to us. I said the world is going to come to us in the name of Jesus. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 3 says, Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple ask arms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. An environment of what? Expectation. If this gentleman was not expectant, he would not have received anything. You see, many times people come to church without any expectation. Expectation is the breeding ground for supernatural miracles. Do you know that there is nothing you will ever need that God has not placed in the anointing? Everything you will ever need is in the anointing. Everything you will ever need is not outside of this church. It's in this church. Most of the times we look outside. But everything you will ever need, God has programmed it in this church. Why? Because God said, I'll give you pastors after my own heart. Jeremiah chapter 3 Verse 15 and 16. And what is their purpose? Their purpose is to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when they feed you with knowledge and understanding, the effect of being fed with knowledge and understanding is you will increase and you will multiply. That's the effect. 
So when you come without an expectation, the anointing cannot help you. So don't just come to church casually. Come with an expectation in your heart. When you are leaving your house, say, Father, I'm believing you for X, Y, Z. Sometimes you even have to write your expectations down. That's why every year I give you an expectation card and every expectation you have written on your expectation card, you have seen the manifestation of it because God's word cannot be broken. God's word says, the expectations of the righteous shall not be cut short. In other words, when you have an expectation of the Lord, he will give you that expectation. So don't come to church without what? An expectation. Don't come to the house of God without an expectation. Don't come to any service without an expectation. Why? Because the anointing functions best in an environment of expectation. This crippled man put a, put, a, put, a, put a demand on the anointing of Peter and John. He put a demand on their anointing. And did anointing work for him or not? It did work. He rose up. He walked. Because that anointing they carried healed him. Took away the crippleness from him. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, sons and daughters in the house, I want to encourage you from today don't come to the house of God without what? Expectation. Always come with expectation. And every time you come with, you see, every time you come to the house of God with expectation, you always go with your answers. Always. It is guaranteed. That's why when Peter said unto them, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. Every time you are in expectation, you receive what you are expecting. Let me ask you a question. When you, when you do a shopping, an online shopping, and after you've completed your shopping, you receive a message that says, your parcel will be delivered the following day between 1 and 2 p.m. What that, has that created? That, that email has created a sense of what? Expectation. So whatever you do between 1 and 2 p.m. the following day, you are home expecting what you have bought. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Now, the reason why you are home is because you have an expectation. That means your expectation will always take you to a specific place where your package is located. And after today, I decree upon you, I prophesy over you that nothing will cut short your expectations. I prophesy over you, whatever you have been expecting this year is coming a thousand times more. I said it's coming a thousand times more. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Tonight is a very important teaching. Something unusual is going to break loose. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me what he's going to do. Tonight's anointing is specially going to be dealing with deaths. Because death is a burden and a yoke. Which the Lord is going to remove tonight. Amen. I said he's going to remove it tonight. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Listen, there is nothing free in the kingdom of God inclusive of salvation. <laughs> there is nothing free in the kingdom including salvation. Your salvation is not free. Do you know that? It's not free. The fact that you are receiving it free doesn't mean it's not free. It costs somebody his life. <laughs> so don't approach the kingdom of God with a mindset of free, free, free. Don't, don't ever approach the... You see, this is, this is why many people don't receive the anointing because they think, ah, it's free. Jesus said, freely have you received, freely give. Yes, it's true. Now, how many of you know that the Bible is free? The word of God is free. I have received it freely. But do you know that it's not technically free? It costs me to study. It costs me my time. It costs me materials. It costs me resources to study before I can come and stand before you and teach. Yeah, so you need to understand this key factor that to operate in the highest level of the anointing, you have to be ready to pay the required price for the anointing. How many of you want to operate in the highest form of the anointing? Remember last week, I was saying that there are four levels of the anointing. Remember, I said there is Bethel, there is Gilgah, there is Jericho, and then there is what? Jordan. Four levels. And what I have noticed is that most of the time, people want the anointing, but they don't want to pay for it. Most of the time, people want the breakthrough, but they don't want to pray for it. Most of the time, people want the blessing, but they don't want to go the extra mile for it. <laughs> if you're a student and you want to pass exams when you're watching cartoons, you won't pass. How many of you know that? You have to read your books. Is that right? You have to read your books. But if all you do is watch cartoons, playing games, 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 cartoons, Xbox, Xbox, games, cartoons, when you sit on your exams table, when it's time to write the exams, you know what to be coming to your mind? Games, cartoons, games, cartoons, Xbox. When they ask you three plus three, you write Xbox. So 
There is nothing free. And listen, if you are a student and you ask, your, your parents ask you to study, you are not studying for them. You are studying for yourself. So when you are asked to go and study and you do your face, do you think you are studying for your mother or your father? When it's time for the exams, will your mother and father be there? No. 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 If you want A, A star, A plus, if you want to be the best students in class, in school, in this country, across the world, you have to study. That is the price you have to pay. That is the price you have to pay. So there is a price tag to everything in this world. The clothes you are wearing, when you went to the shop to buy it, there was a price tag. Correct? Yeah. When you picked that cloth, you could not have walked out with it freely without pain because on it is not written free. There was a price tag on it. So when you picked that cloth or that shoe or that suit or whatever, you had to go to the point of transaction and pay for the price on that suit. You can't say, oh, I like it. Oh, I like it. Oh, it's nice. Yes, it's nice. You have to pay for it. The same principle applies in the kingdom of God. If you want to operate in the blessing, if you want to see prosperity in your life, it comes through tithing. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not free. You can't say, God said, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, he said, if you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you. Is that right? Now, that's what God says. Now, when, if you want to experience the windows of heaven open, what do you have to do? Apply the key. Apply what God says. He says, bring the tithe to my house, not to your house. You don't determine where you take the tithe. God determines where you send it. God says, bring the tithe, not some, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and Prove me now. You have not brought the tithe. You want to prove God. It doesn't work that way. The equation is bring the tithe and prove me now. Herewith seeth the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. So if the windows of heaven is going to be open for you, what do you have to do? You have to bring in the tithe. As God commands it. Not as you feel like. And listen, the tithe is the first thing you do. Not the second, not the third, not the last. It's the first thing you do. Are you getting this? And it's not something you do as and when you feel like. It's not something you do as and when you feel like. 
is something you do consistently. Every month, are you paid every month? Yes or no? If your boss decides to pay you as and when they feel like, will you still be going to that job? If your boss says, okay, the month of October, I'll pay you. The month of November, I'll think about it. <laughs> the month of January, I will think whether you deserve to be paid. No, it doesn't work that way. So that means the tithe is consistent. Are you following what I'm saying? If you are going to work in consistent blessing, you have to engage in consistent tithing. I don't know why I'm here, but the Holy Ghost is helping someone. Because there are many Christians who tithe as and when. It's not as and when. You see, what you need to understand is that when God says bring in the tithe, let's just for the purposes of an analogy, the tithe, let's just say, is a law. It is not. But let's just say it is a law. A law is no respecter of persons. For instance, the law of gravity says whatsoever goes up must come down. Is that right? So now, if, if that's the law, that means for the law to work, something has to be done. Are you following what I'm saying? So if God, the law that governs the opening of the windows of heaven is, is linked to tithing, that means if you tithe this month, the windows will be open this month. If you don't tithe next month, the windows will be shut next month. If you don't tithe next week, the windows will be shut. So the tithing is consistent. It is not based on your agreement between you and God. And so, God, you know, you know what I'm going through. Uh, God, you know, you know, I have car insurance to pay. God, you know, I have a rent to pay. God, you know, I have mortgage to pay. That's that's not how it works. It's a command. God says, bring ye all the tithes. Can you see the price that is linked to the windows of heaven being opened? The windows of heaven doesn't open freely. It opens when you use the key. The key is the tithe. The question someone may be asking is, what is the tithe? The tithe is simply the one-tenth. One-tenth. Of all your income. Someone say, oh, um, but Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And to God what belongs to God. Someone say, there is, we don't have to tithe no more. Who told you that? Now, how many of you know that tithing began before taxes began? How many of you know that? But how many of you know that even though taxes began before you were born, you were paying your tax before you became a born-again Christian. How many of you know that? Yeah. The fact that now you are a Christian does not mean you have to stop paying your taxes. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, if you were an, in the world 
and you are paying taxes. When you become born again Christian, you still have to pay what? Taxes. The fact that you are now a born again Christian does not exempt you from taxes. Are you getting the picture? And when it comes to the taxes, the government takes it from source. Because the government don't trust you. The government don't trust you. The government knows that if he allows you to bring the tax, you dodge. As all the wealthy people. They dodge taxes. They say tax evasion is allowed. <laughs> oh, what, what do they say? Is it, is it tax evasion? Tax what? Is it, is, it, is it allowed? Okay, let's not go there now. They hide their taxes in, in all those places. You'll be shocked that poor people pay more tax than rich people. Rich people don't pay tax. You'll be shocked. Recently, when um, the taxes that Apple paid was published, it was shocking. It was shocking. All this company, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, the taxes they pay is shocking. Why? Because rich people don't want to pay tax. But poor people are taxed. The tax man is always knocking on your door. They take, and yet when it's time for them to give back to you, they don't want to give. Now, I just said all of that to say that, listen, when it comes to tithing, it must not be inconsistent. Are you getting what I'm saying? We have to be consistent. It has to be what? Consistent. Because that's how God has done it, has put in place. Now, we are talking about the anointing, but I needed to go there and come back to this so that you can understand the principle of operating in the highest level or the highest realm of the anointing. How many of you want to operate in that realm? Amen. That there is a price you have to pay. It's not free. Every year, minimum, beginning of the year, I, I go on a 40-day prayer and fasting. Most of the time, it begins from the 1st of January, and it ends somewhere in the 9th or 10th of February. Almost every year. This year, the Lord took me further. This year, from the month of June through to August, I was on a 50-day prayer and fasting. So after 40 days in January to February, from June to August, before Covenant 2018, I was on 50 days prayer and fasting. Because the anointing is, doesn't flow cheap. There's a price you have to pay. You see, most of the prices I pay for the anointing is a spiritual price. So most of the time, because people don't see it, they don't value it. 
I've always said that most Christians, their headache is more important than the pastor's cancer. If a pastor has a cancer and a church member has a headache, he says, oh, pastor, 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 I'm dying. But that pastor has cancer. He has not told you he's got cancer. <laughs> have, you th- have you thought about it? That when you go shopping, to go shopping and you buy food stuff, have you ever thought about your pastor, whether he also goes to the shop, buys food and eats? Have you thought about it? <laughs> yeah, that's honest. You have not thought about it. But do you know that he also goes to shopping? And when he fills the trolley, when he goes to the pay point, he doesn't pray in tongues. Shanda, shanda, umakoto in the name of Jesus. Okay, you have to let me go now. No. No. No, he has to pay the price. The same price you pay. Are you following what I'm saying? He has to pay the same price you pay. Are you following me? So, this is why you have to understand that your taxes help facilitate the progress of the nation. It's the same way your tithes help facilitate the progress of the church. That's how simple it works. Paul said, if we minister to you spiritual things, it is your responsibility to minister back unto us carnal things. The carnal things he's talking about is your money. Yeah, it's your money. And, and don't, ever, don't ever let it cross your mind that the pastor is not working. This is work. How many of you know that this is work? This is work. This, as a matter of fact, is hard work because it's three-dimensional, spirit, soul, and body. Whilst you're sleeping and snoring, I've seen some demon that want to kill you and I'm up and I'm praying for you. My wife was just telling me that somebody somewhere in a far country had a dream. And, and, you know, when they're about to write their exams, they have these funny dreams and then it leads to something. And then this young lady had a dream and she started having all these attacks again. And then all of a sudden in her dream, I appeared in her dream, barefooted, chasing those things that were chasing her. You know, so maybe at that time and the previous day, I was up something, you know, the Holy Ghost just woke me up 4 a.m. I was up 4 a.m. just praying, praying. I didn't know who I was praying for. Are you getting the picture? So now, when it comes to the case of us, the pastors, our responsibility is more. It's more. Have you ever come to church and I'm teaching or preaching and what I'm saying is what you are, it's in your heart and you're wondering, who told him? Nobody told me. If I am not in tune with the Holy Spirit, how would I know what you are going through and be speaking prophetically to your situation? If all I do is eat, 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 no fasting, no praying, nothing, do you think I hear God? No. So there is a price to pay to operate in the highest dimension of the anointing. There's a huge price. 
And please don't take the prize for granted. Don't take it for granted. It's a huge price. It's a huge price. It's a huge price. If I tell you everything we do as a church, you'll be shocked. The demand on the ministry, financially, what we have to take care of, you will be shocked. You say, huh? So I am undergiving. So I am undergiving. That's the truth. That's the truth. Or maybe you want us every week to do a budget. I know churches who do budget and project it and say this is our budget for the week. So that means when you come, your tithe and offering have to cover the budget. I'm telling you. There's so much we're doing as a ministry. So much. The first time we bought the first property for a South African branch, he went there, he sold it. I've never seen that property. God willing, this year I'll see it at some point. How many years now? Four years, five years? Huge property. Bigger than Broadfield Stadium. All from here. All the branches that we started, everything we bought from them, all from here. Everything. Tomorrow, if God gives me an opportunity and I start another branch somewhere, I will not take one P from anywhere. I have never. Because you see, I understand how this thing works. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a price you have to pay. And until you pay that price, you cannot operate on the highest level. That's why different cars have different price tag. There's a car for 10,000 pounds. There's a car for 250,000 pounds. They operate differently. When you put the 10,000 car pound, pound, pound car and the 250,000 they, they, they operate differently. Are you getting what I'm saying? So to operate at the highest level of the anointing, you have to be ready to pay the required price for the anointing. You have to pay the required price. So let's go and quickly look at the price. Are you ready to pay the price? Yes. Are you getting something out of this teaching? Is it helping you? Yes. I'll deliberately slow down to teach this. Because this thing, when you are teaching it, you become too excited. And I'm holding myself from being excited. 2 Kings chapter 2, from verse 1. I want to show you the price we have to pay to operate in the highest level. Remember I said last week there are four stages of the anointing. We're going to look at all of them and the prices to pay. I read 2 Kings chapter 2 from verse 1. The Bible says that, and it came to pass, when the Lord should take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now notice that, Gilgal. Gilgal is the first stage of the price you have to pay for the anointing. Gilgal is a place of circumcision. 
Gilgal is a place where you have to be cut. Circumcision simply means to, to take away the old to reveal the new. Circumcision simply means to take away what? The old to reveal what? The new. So when there is circumcision, that means there is a cut. And where there is a cut, that means there is blood. When you are circumcised, your clothes, your garment have to be changed. You cannot be circumcised and wear the same garment. This is too deep. Oh, this is, I, actually this is a message I preached this from this scripture, verse 1 to 8. I preached it for like six weeks. So we don't have the time to go through all. So Gilga is simply a place where the old is taken away and the new is revealed. Gilga is also a place where shame is rolled away. Gilga is a place where shame is rolled away. Gilga is a place where also dullness is taken away, where you become sharp, where you become more sensitive, and where you become accurate. So to go through the place of Gilgal, these are the prices you have to pay for the anointing. Because you have to go through this stage. It's the first stage. And most of the time, this is where people give up because they have been cut. They are seeing blood. They say, this is too difficult. (laughs) No, I don't want, I don't want the anointing. Have you noticed that even the anointing oil that comes from the olives, the olives have to be crushed before the oil comes out. If you don't crush the olives, the oil will not come out. Did you get that? So, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Verse 2, the Bible says that, and Elisha said, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Now, notice Bethel is the second stage. When they were at Gilgal, Elijah said to Elisha, You have to wait here because there's a next level. But look at what Elisha said. Elisha said, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee, for they went down to Bethel. I love that. Now, do you know that when you are cut in Gilgal and you are asked to leave, to stay, that's a good place to say, ah, this stage was a cutting stage. The next stage will be more difficult, so it's better I stay here. Do you know that? Because when you are cut in Gilgal, you don't want to go to Bethel because all of these stages, you don't know what is there. So if the first stage was difficult, the next stage will be much harder. So Elijah said to Elisha, stay here so that I can go to Bethel, which is the next stage of the anointing. Elisha said, no, as the Lord liveth, I'm going with you. Bethel is a place of revelation. Now, when you are cut in Gilgal, it prepares you. Remember I said, Gilgal removes dullness and it makes you sharper. Bethel is a place of revelation. Bethel is a place after you have been cut in Gilgal, you become alert to the things of God. 
You become sharper. This, this, is, this message is very important. Some of you are gifted in this church. But your gifting is not moving to the next level. Not because the gift is not there. But because you are not paying the price. The gift have to move to the next level now. And by moving to the next level, sometimes you have to be secluded, isolated from people, from friends, from families. So Bethel is a place of revelation. Bethel is a house of bread. Bethel is a house of God. Verse 3. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Lord would take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yeah, I know, hold your peace. Now notice that there were sons of prophets already in Bethel. They did not go through Gilgal. They were already in Bethel. If you're not careful, you say, why didn't they go through the process? Why are they already in Bethel? Remember, their calling is different from your calling. Some people don't go through the process and things just happen for them, bam. There are some people you look at and say, ah, I've been toiling and you know, praying, fasting. My church is not growing, but look at them. They come and say, stand there in the name of Jesus. And you see multitude. They have not gone through Gilgal. Your calling is different. The price you have to pay is different. That's why in most cases, those people, their end is, they, you see them grow big and they fall big. But you have to go through the process. So the sons of the prophets were already in Bethel and they were telling Elisha, do you not know that God is going to take Elijah away from you? Why are you still following him? They had revelation about where Elijah was going next. But they didn't know that Elisha's calling was different from their calling. That's why if you are not careful, they'll tell you, ah, you can start your own church. When you were under the senior pastor, your branch was flourishing. They said, don't you know that if you start the church now, the church is going to flourish? And then you say, ah, they are sons of prophets. So prophets know the end. And then you go, start your church, and nothing is happening. And you realize, ah, my branches were flourishing because I was under a mighty tree. Oh, this is getting interesting, but we don't have the time. Verse 4, the Bible says that, And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee. This is in Bethel. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said unto him, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went together to Jericho. So what's the first stage? Gilgal. The second stage, Bethel. The third stage, Jericho. Jericho is a place of pleasantness, but no fruit. Jericho is pleasant, but no prosperity. Jericho is nice. It's a stage where, you see, everything is beautiful, but there is no result. Jericho, is, it represents the fig tree that has so many leaves, but no fruits. That's where you work hard. The money is coming in. But before you realize the money is finished, 
You work so hard, but you can't buy a house. You work so hard, but you have no assets. You are in Jericho. You are at the stage of Jericho. But if you can tarry a little bit longer, God is going to take you to the next level. So Elijah said to him, Tarry, I pray thee, wait here in Jericho. Wait here, next verse, verse 5. And the sons of the prophets were at Jericho. <laughs> they are Jericho again. They were at Jericho, sons of the prophets. You see, sons of the prophets who operate on the basis of the merits of their fathers. They have not paid no price. For instance, a time is coming, all the shouting I'm doing today, if by God's grace any of our children come into ministry, they will not struggle like I do. They will just come and say, in the name of Jesus, and you see 10 million gathering. They are sons of the prophets. Joel Austin, for instance, is an example. Joel Austin's father struggled for years. He couldn't have a congregation of even 5,000 for years. But Joel Austin shows up. Beloved, in the name of Jesus, God loves you. Forgive your enemies. Just love them. Just smile. And that's it. Tens of thousands are gathering. 40,000. 50,000. Are you getting? So, sons of the prophets, their their operation is different. Now, if you're not a sons of the prophet, you have to go through the stages. You can't say, why is he operating like that? And yet, you are putting in more than he is. Remember, his father and his forefathers had paid prices. Before he showed up. So he is operating on the merit. On the merit of his forefathers. So the sons of the prophets were here again. Next verse, verse 6. Let's jump this quickly. The Bible says that, And Elijah said unto him, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. That's the fourth and final state. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As long as the Lord liveth and thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on to Jordan. Now, Jordan is a place of the overflow. Jordan is the place where the, the anointing is without measure. That's where when everybody, everybody receives their miracle. You see, you see testimonies, you see miracles, you see breakthroughs without measure. Are you getting this? Yeah. Jordan is a place of, remember when Jesus came to Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist, a voice of, from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. The moment he came from the water, the Bible says that a bed like a dove descended upon him like in the form of the Holy Spirit. Power became available. Don't stop at Gilgal. Don't stop at Bethel. Don't stop up Jericho. Do your best and get to Jordan. Amen. I said, do your best and get to Jordan. Yeah. Because once you get to Jordan, it's the place of the overflow. overflow. And at Jordan also, there will be discouragers there. There will be sons of the prophets. Sons of the prophets were at Jericho. Now look at verse 8. The Bible says that, 
And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it around together and smote the waters. And they divided hither and hither. So they two went over on a dry ground. Verse 9. And it came to pass when they had gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now look, Elijah is only asking Elisha in verse 9. After they have gone through all the stages, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan, Elijah did not ask Elisha, ask me what you want in Jericho or in Jordan or in Bethel, in all those places. That means you have to pay the price before you can receive the anointing. So at this point when Elisha said, give me a double portion, he had every right to ask. Many times we ask for things we are not ready for. He had every right to ask. Verse 10, the Bible says, and he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken away from thee, it shall be unto thee, but if not, it shall not be. So even this, this is another price he has to pay. This is the fifth level of price. If you see me go, that means you have to be alert. You see, I have seen people pay all the price. Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. And they missed the Kairos moment. They missed their Kairos moment. The day when it's about to happen, they sleep. Remember the ten virgins? Five were wise, five were foolish. When the bridegroom was coming, the foolish were sleeping. <laughs> At the time, you see, the transference of the anointing happens in unusual services. At the time when something crosses your mind, you are thinking, oh, I left the iron on in the house. Transfer has just happened, and you've missed it. So Elijah said to Elisha, hey, yes, you've paid all these prices, but you still have to see me go. If you sleep, you miss out. Verse 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and he parted both of them asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen of thereof and he saw him no more and he, he took hold of his clothes and rent them in two pieces and he took up also the mantle of Elijah. That fell from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah, and that fell from him, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, the water parted hither and hither, and Elisha went over. Hallelujah. Can you see the price? There's so much more to teach, but there's not time for us. Amen. Did you receive it today?
Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.